Welcome back to Talk of Teaching. I'm Stephen McDowell and today I am joined by Nathan Herkenroder. Uh, we're going to discuss teaching abroad and Nathan began his career in, at BCC High School in Maryland in the USA. He spent six years teaching there before moving to Paris where he now works at the American School of Paris. He's been there for 11 years and as I said we're going to discuss um, teaching abroad. Nathan, thanks for joining me. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Um, so today we're, we're looking to discuss teaching abroad. Um, so I suppose a, a good question to get it started is, why did you did you want to do that in the first place? What was it that made you want to, uh, to move overseas? I mean, to be honest, I think that I'd reached a point of professionally and just uh, socially. I'd grown up in Washington, D.C. I'd always lived there. Uh, and, um, for me, it was, uh, and I'd always loved traveling. I'd always loved going abroad, but it was never enough. I felt like, uh, I was, uh, I always wanted more to experience, you know, the different cultures, the places I visited in more depth. Yeah. And, uh, for me, it was naturally, uh, a way to, to go somewhere for a longer period of time. And, um, so honestly, it was it was both, I'd say, a push factor of just wanting to get away from Washington, D.C. and try something new, but also the pool of, uh, you know, living in a foreign country, learning a new language, learning a new culture, all of those things. Yeah, you, you were certainly braver than me. I, I know for myself, I had been teaching for four years at the time. I felt as though I wanted to experience something new. I was interested in, in America, you know, I'd been studying and teaching US politics, so the USA kind of fascinated me as a country, uh, and I liked the idea of living abroad, uh, but I was a little bit more cagey at the time, I, I had a permanent job at that time, in Scotland they were quite hard to come by at that mm -hmm. particular point, um, permanent teaching jobs, and I was a wee bit more cagey, I remember listening to uh, a guy, John McTaggart, that was a modern studies teacher he was speaking at a conference that I was at and he was talking about the Fulbright program mm. and that really kind of appealed to me because for myself that gave me the opportunity to go over to the US spend a year there but it was an exchange program so my job was still open to me to come back to so it wasn't as, as big a risk for, for myself um, it gave me that opportunity to do it to go and sample it but then you know, at the end of the year, you could still come back and kind of slot back into to your, your job. Whereas you, you obviously, you took the plunge, you resigned your post, didn't you? And then you kind of started afresh. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even know there was opportunities like that. I mean, I knew that. And when I met you, I mean, that definitely influenced me, I'd say, a great deal to want to go abroad because you had such a, from what I gather, you had such a great experience living abroad yeah. and and I, mem I remember when I was initially looking, I did actually look into Fulbright uh, was something I did. And then I just, just started doing internet searches about teaching abroad. And that's when I discovered that there's actually organizations that recruit teachers abroad. And, and that's kind of where I discovered the whole international school system. I mean, at this point, I'm only, when I really started looking, I would say I was five years into teaching. Uh, and, you know, I mean, five years is probably not enough time to when you first start your first job to be thinking about the next step. 
uh, and um, and in really thinking about, oh, maybe I want to go to a different country, you know. And I think when you came to BCC, that kind of got me thinking about it a lot. Um, on going abroad. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it is. It's a I suppose we'll get to this uh, later in, in, in the podcast, but as it's a great experience uh, to, to do that, I certainly did thoroughly enjoy my time uh, in, in the States. Um, okay, what about, if, if we think first of all then, when you initially made that move, what do you think were the biggest challenges that you faced? Because anybody that's contemplating it or anybody that's just about to do it, obviously mm. there's, there's, got, there's a lot to think about and there's perhaps a lot of it you know, a fair bit of trepidation, perhaps, as you're 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 making that move. So, what do you think were the biggest challenges whenever you whenever you did make that move? Well, I mean, I think there's the planning. Uh, it's pretty challenging to find a good school. I just know from talking to other people, I actually lucked out pretty well. Um, yeah. I started the process in in probably August September. But even that, now that I think about it, it's probably too late, um, especially if you're starting from scratch and you don't have your foot in the door in the international school system. Uh, you really want to start the process as early as possible because those early job fairs are, are, are very important for recruiting. I'd say even before Christmas time, you want to be trying to line up interviews and things like that. Well, well, I didn't even get my, I didn't even go to a job fair until the beginning of February. So that was, I mean, a lot of people would say that's too late in the international school system today. I just happened to luck out and, uh, um, and get a job in a great country like France. Um, I didn't think that's where I'd end up. To be honest, I thought that I would end up somewhere in Latin America. And that was where I was planning on going. But, uh, but I mean, when I had that opportunity, I, I couldn't turn it down. Um, was it a job fair that you... Yeah, it was a jo job fair. Yeah, the job fair was through an organization called International School Services. Right. And, uh, and there's also another even more well-known organization called Search Associates. But I didn't know that most people use that until getting into the international school scene. But um, I imagine, I know when you're already in the system, you don't really need to do a lot of job fairs because you can meet, you'll meet a lot of people. It's actually a pretty small world, the international school system. I mean, teachers have been all over the world, but you'll meet people that know others in different schools and you can usually line up interviews and things like that that way. Um, I mean, I haven't done that, but I have a lot of colleagues that have um, gotten jobs that way because I've been at the same school the entire time. Um, but so, but to initially to get your foot in the door is uh, you really want to uh, sign up through one of these recruiting agencies and maybe they don't even do big job fairs uh, like they used to because of COVID. Maybe it's more on Zoom. I have no idea, to be honest, uh, how they do it today. But regardless of how they do the job fairs, I, I'd say, it's important, even though it costs money, is to get your your uh, yourself through one of these recruiting put put your dossier through one of these recruiting agencies. Um, I think that's essential. Uh, so, yeah, I mean that part was 
it was risky and challenging, but it worked out for the best, honestly. Sure, yeah. Well, what about when, when you actually got over to, to Paris and you started working? What, what, what would you say the main challenges at that point were? I mean, language, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah language was a big learning curve. Um, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. Bear in mind, um, I was going from, although <laughs> on the face of it, I was going from an English-speaking country to another English-speaking country, but I suppose with the Scottish accent, that was maybe sometimes a, a bit of a barrier as well. But yeah, going to a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to a, yeah. going to a, a country where you don't speak the language, I can only imagine how much more difficult that would have been. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I just remember not knowing what they said. I didn't know the numbers, so... I'd be buying bread and I have no idea what they're saying. So I would, <laughs> I, I would line up, I would try to memorize how much it was, or I'd always have a 20 because I would think that would cover it. So I acquired a lot of coins back then, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it, 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 and then I would try to memorize things to say when I went places, but it would always go off script and then you wouldn't know what to say after that. I mean, I'm lucky. I think that, I mean, I think it's both lucky and a curse to be an English speaker because you're lucky because most of the time you can resort to a little English with, with most people in the world. But it's also a curse because it really blocks progress, I think, in language. Um, you know, if I was speaking, I don't know, um, Russian or something like that, I wouldn't have a choice. There's no one really I could speak with in Paris that spoke Russian. Yeah. I would be I would be immersed. And right now I'm teaching in English and I'm living in French. But yeah, so I think language was a huge barrier. Uh, but so I would say uh, take advantage of any opportunity if you go abroad to take language classes or immerse yourself with people that speak the language. Um, I would recommend that for people um, if you end up in a school that it, where people speak a different language. Um, because also, a lot of times, I think people in these international schools, what they tend to do is they, they tend to just keep them stay in a bubble and they never really leave that bubble where they just kind of hang out with people in the school. So they speak English all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I know I have colleagues that have lived in France for 15 years and barely speak French. And that's, I don't know, for me uh, to go through this experience, and I guess by now it's not just an experience, it's a new life, and not learn the language and, and those types of things. And that's kind of a loss in my yeah. eyes for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that must have been really, really challenging, I can imagine, but yet to where you are now from where you were when you first moved over there. What is that, about 11 years, I think, you said you've been there yeah. now. So yeah. You've got a completely different, uh, I mean, as you say, you're completely immersed within that culture now, uh, completely. So mm. um, there's obvious value to that. In terms of other challenges, I think, thinking about my own experience, I remember just being really, really conscious of the fact that everything was new. You know, mm. you are, the, the experience that you yeah, well, certainly from my point of view, the experience that I had in teaching up to that point, it takes you so far, but only so far. You know, everything about moving into that school, the pupils were different. Uh, the way that they viewed work was different. I remember 
really early on being conscious about that different approach towards like grades. So, for instance, in Scotland, mm -hmm. I would issue work, uh, you know, because just for the sake of, of, of doing the work, you know, whereas when I got to BCC, it was really, really grade orientated, right. whereby if you gave, I remember very early on issuing a homework task and the, the students were asking me, is this getting graded? And I was like, well, no, it's just a homework task. It's just we're going to work on this and it's about you know, doing the work. We're doing it for the sake of doing the oh, work, well, yeah, improving. And I remember the next day, there was like hardly any of them had turned it in because you know, I told them that it wasn't getting graded. And that was the real motivating factor. So it's a very different uh, approach. Capitalist that, approach. The, the students took. Uh, so, so trying to get used to that, that kind of culture. Uh, that educational culture that they you know the curriculum was different it was very knowledge based whereas like teaching modern studies in scotland there was a lot of emphasis on like developing answers working with sources working on your skills whereas teaching for instance ap government you'll know yourself that a lot of it was very much about knowledge you know it was like multiple it was heavily weighted towards multiple choice questions you know when it when it came to yeah. the exam so the, the amount of knowledge, it was a huge amount of knowledge that you had to kind of teach. Well, I would say your experience is much different than mine then, because, I mean, now that I think about it, that I really think about it, that you were really immersed into a different culture day in and day out. I mean, you were in the school. If I was immersed into a French school, that would be a completely different a completely different experience because there's an international school, a school that classes and it's an IV school. Those things are pretty similar to an American public school. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still, I could be teaching AP at BCC or AP at American school of Paris and, and the kids are still going to be asking, is this going to count? I mean, the kids are still great oriented at my school. Yeah. There's not, and, you know, in a French school, that would be completely different. I mean, just to tell you, there's in, in, in America and at my school, it's an A, B, C, D, E scale. I mean, as you know, and uh, but in France, it's out of 20 points, the scores. Um, and that's just you would have to learn in completely different uh, that 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 would be a bigger shock, I'd say. But the international school system tends to, even though it's international, it more models itself after the kind of Western. Well, not even Western, but kind of Anglophone, honestly, approach to. So that's to interesting. So, so your so your experience, the Canadian. It's also an Amer It's also an American school. Yeah. Too. So, so that makes a difference. Yeah, because you're still teaching AP and IB. Right. So, so, I mean, there is that crossover. I have much smaller classes. And and you're really moving into a very similar educational culture, but just at the same time round about that with your work, you've got a much more different, uh, you know, broader culture that, that you're, you're going into. So yeah. I would say I'd say the difference is, is that uh, that a lot of well, at least BCC was ahead of the curve on like new education techniques or new kind of um, uh, movements in education or with or new um, approaches to learning and also approaches to to how to run a school 
BCC was definitely ahead of ASP. And from what I gather is that a lot of international schools do have that same issue. They're a little bit behind there. So if it's a similar kind of educational culture, I suppose then that, that, that does make that, that side of it easier. But obviously the, the whole language barrier and the different... Oh, culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be a lot, a lot more difficult. What about the other things that I found... That, Trying to, uh, and right in the first instance, it was just getting to grips with a whole different system, as I say, a different culture, but also different. You know, everything was different. The the, the way the curriculum was organised, procedures mm. within the department that you were working on, you just simple things like using different computer systems and all of that. So, I'm trying to kind of get your head around all of that in one go without much time to kind of settle in, I found that challenging. But what really struck me was that, see. You really, I think, initially in the early early weeks, months, you become very much aware that the the support structure that you would have normally taken for granted, you perhaps wouldn't even have noticed was there. I'm talking about, you know, having family, friends, that kind of support structure around about you, people you speak to. You can quite very early on, I think, when you you move abroad, mm-hmm. feel a wee bit kind of exposed. To the pressure because you've not got that kind of familiar structure around about you to kind of prop you up. Did, did you find that? Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard. Uh, you have to, it's hard to meet people. Um, you don't have that same, uh, yeah, structure of friends that you could see maybe every weekend or family to see whenever you like. Um, so it does take some time. I mean, I found myself making friends and with people that I probably normally wouldn't if I was living in the U.S. So you kind of get out of your comfort zone that way, which is which is nice, actually. Yeah, I think that was really, really important. I remember someone saying to me early on, see, for the first few weeks, like, don't turn down any invitations. If you're invited to go anywhere, you know, go and just, you know, try and build up a, a kind of network of, of people, of friends, of colleagues. Um, oh, Yeah. And and that to me that that was really really important. I thought that that really made made the experience, uh, you know, getting over those initial hurdles in the early weeks. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. That's a good that's a good tip for anyone that's moving abroad is take advantage of any invitation, any invitation. How did you? Do you know what? I, when I look back on my experience, I I think that year. The other thing I would say in terms of it being challenging, I would say that was the hardest I've ever had to work. Uh, and, I, and I include, you know, the last six months during this pandemic have been really, really challenging. I remember when I last moved job and it was a new role that I was undertaking. It was really, really hard work, heavy going. Uh, but I would say that year was really the hardest I've ever had to work because, because as I said, everything was new. The curriculum was new. The way that we did, I had to do things was new. The students, it was different. I remember having to... I, I remember thinking that, that my, my knowledge, for instance, I was teaching the AP government classes, and I remember thinking my knowledge of American politics was, I thought, was quite good. But when I went mm-hmm. there, what I knew was really just the kind of tip of the iceberg in terms of what I had to know in order to deliver that course. On top of that, I remember teaching the, the history course the honours history course, and oh, yeah. which was pretty poor. So I really had to. So after work every day, remember, I think it was maybe 10 past two in the afternoon we finished. It was a really early mm-hmm. start. That was another thing to get used to the, the 7.25 starts. But finishing at 10 past two, 
I would be in school till six, seven o'clock because I had to, first of all, learn the content that I was going to be delivering the next day and then plan and organise and resource my lessons. Mm. It was really, really long days. It was really, really hard work. I, that aspect was definitely challenging. Um, I'm not sure if you would have had the same experience because there was it was more similar, obviously, the, the curriculum that you were going into. Uh, but did you find that the workload in those early early days, weeks, months was 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 challenging? I, n- n- no, because I think the subjects were not as it wasn't a big change for me yeah. again because it was American school. So no, not so much. I didn't have that same experience. But learning the culture of the school and learning how things worked that was a challenge for sure. Um, you're just used to different things when, you, but that, but I suppose that's not something that's unique to international schools. Whenever you move to another school, it they, they have their own culture and how things are done, and yeah. you, you have different personalities. You're going to meet some you like, some are difficult. So that yeah. could be in any school. It's always going to be part. Of it. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's about making sure that when you go, though, I think you've got to be prepared for you know working hard. It's there's, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be, and we'll talk about what we get out of the we've got out of the experience. It's going to be very very rewarding, but it, it, it can be quite uh, quite challenging as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for it, sure. I suppose that takes us on to then. What, what, what did you get out of the experience? <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> For me, it's a new life, right? I mean, I'm still here, so absolutely. Uh, I mean, I learned a language. I, I, I hope to say maybe not as fluent as I'd like to be, but um, and I mean, I now have a family that I wouldn't have had if I never moved here. So, so those life changing really for you. I mean, it was life changing. I didn't think I'd be here this long, and uh, you know, I mean, I've now lived here for a quarter of my life. Um, and 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 uh, and so that's pretty significant, and almost worked here twice as long as I as I worked at BCC. So I've got cool experiences. So the, the social thing, but then I also had opportunities, a cool experience to go and and study in in Spain. Um, uh, I was able to take through an American university in Mallorca. Um, so if you ever in international schools, there's a college called the College of New Jersey. They have satellite campuses all over the world, but one is in Mallorca, Spain, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, a lot of international school teachers do that. And I would never have had or even probably known about that experience if I'd stayed at BCC. Uh, and I mean, just being in Europe, being able to travel and experience different countries. I mean, I coach for, uh, I coach cross country and track and field and the trips have been amazing because I've just been able to travel to different countries for various weekends per year. I mean, uh, I guess at this point, I, well, not at this point because we're not traveling right now, but you know, after a few years of it, I've kind of even started to take it for granted. I mean, it was just such a cool experience at the beginning. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for me, it was a, just a brand new life. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I've gotten out of it. But yeah. I suppose for, for a lot of people, they they come and go. Uh, they don't normally stay in one country the entire time or they go back home. Uh, so you could get different things out of it. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you've obviously really embraced uh, embraced that change. Um, I mean, when I think even when I think back myself, I was obviously only there for the, the, the one year. Uh, but even even then, just the experience in a different place, a different way of life, meeting people yeah. that you would never have met before, going places you would never otherwise see. I, I remember even just the the trips that that I went on that year professionally with with, with Fulbright. We had a conference in. Nashville, we had a conference in Chicago. I would oh, yeah. never have set foot in those places. Aside from that, all the trips that you know I went on, uh, just leisure trips, trips I went on with yourself as well, out to LA and um, up to New York. Um, so <laughs> it's a great, a great experience um, yeah, going somewhere yeah. different, meeting new people, going places you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever have been to. Um, I think yeah, it's, it's magical, right? Yeah, absolutely. When I, if I think back as well, if I think back throughout the whole time I've been teaching, that one year just stands out. If you were to say to me, what was I doing 2013, 14 or 11, 12 or whatever it is, it's very difficult to pick out one year course, from, yeah. after you've been teaching for a while. Whereas that one year kind of stands out like a beacon. I can remember everything that happened throughout that year um, because it was a, a really a unique experience. Um what else do you get out of it? I think resilience. I think you really build up resilience going to another country, experiencing that, having to overcome those challenges that we spoke about. I think mm. that you know, coping with all that, if you can cope with those challenges, it's you know, it's it sets you up for for the rest of your career. I think um, for sure, to kind of build resilience. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, um, experiencing different ways of, of doing things, I think, makes you a better teacher, also. You know, if you've only ever taught one way in one school, how do you know that you've really developed to your your full potential? I think it's good going in and seeing a different approach and, and experiencing it firsthand. Um, For sure. But, um, so, so yeah, I would say that there's there's a lot to, that, that I certainly took out of the experience and obviously there's a lot that, that you've taken out of the experience yourself. Um, if you were to then come up, if you, were to, if, if you were to speak to somebody right now then that was that was contemplating making a move and going to teach abroad, what would your your top tips be then? What would you, your, your main advice be? I'd say do it. I mean, honestly, I, I think it's an experience that every teacher should have. And it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter what your familial status is because these schools will find a way a lot of times to, a lot of them have housing allowance. I mean, maybe not in France. If you have a family, they'll, they might pay for your housing. Uh, maybe they'll find a job for your for your wife or husband. Um, they might provide daycare for children. Like there's so many different things that these schools do provide because they're used to it. They have to provide these services to get the best teachers. And uh, I would say, you know, whether you're young or old and it's something that interests you, I'd say give it a try and just do it. Um, whether it's for a year or two, there's, I've had colleagues that have come for one year. Just for example, there was a colleague, a couple that came and they're close to retirement. They're in their early 60s. They took a leave of absence for one year and they came to Paris. They lived in Paris for one year and now they're back in California about to retire. I mean, that I've, I've, I've met several people that have had similar experiences. So you never know what you're going to, you never, I'd, if you're interested, I'd say, Sign yourself up through one of these recruiting agencies and you are ne you never know what you're going to get and what kind of opportunities are going to come. 
these schools can accommodate a lot of different people that are in different stages of life. Yeah, good advice. If you if you, if you really want to do it, you can always make it work. So yeah, I think that, that's that's good advice. Mm. Uh, I would say if once and once you find yourself there, I would say the first thing when I went over to to America, one of the the bits of advice that I got that really kind of rung true. Uh, you might re- you might remember me talking about it, the W mm-hmm. curve. Do you remember that? What was it again? The, the, the W curve. Uh, be aware of the W curve. So the idea. I can't remember honestly. No, this was so. I remember them telling me about this uh, when I was at the, the Fulbright conference before we went, and it's the idea. Uh, it's when you when you arrive in the country, you are on a high, right? So you get yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and it's 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 all new, it's exciting. So you're kind of away up, you know, on a high. But then after a few weeks, you mm-hmm. kind of it's it's natural for you to then kind of take a bit of a drop. So if you can imagine this like a a kind of line graph, okay, you've got that kind of the way that the curve would go. So you start up the top, but then it drops down because mm-hmm. after a few weeks you start to miss home. You get a bit homesick. You realise that it's challenging, that it's difficult, that you're out of your comfort zone, that all sets in, so you take a bit of a dip. But then a few more weeks down the line, you kind of build back up again because you realise that you're you're coping, you realise that you're you're managing with it, that you're hanging in there, that you're overcoming the difficulties, so you go back up to the top. But then after a few more weeks, months, you maybe start to get a bit more homesick again, maybe it's coming up towards Christmas, you're, you're missing family, you kind of start to take another bit of a, a dip. But then again, you overcome that. And then by that point, after about six months, you're up and running. You're managing it. You know what you're doing. You start to become uh, kind of immersed in it. And you go back up again. So they kind of cut the, the, the W curve. You're kind of it's forming the shape of that kind of W. It's not as if you're going to go right up to the top and stay there. There's always going to be those dips. And it's That's- just... It's being aware of that and making sure that you don't, when, when you do hit the kind of troughs, that you don't get too uh, down about it, that it's not perfectly natural and there will all, you'll, you'll, you'll work your way out of it. I think it's really, really important that you, mm. you keep that in mind. Um, and when you're there, seek advice, help, support, definitely seek out people that you can go to for, for practical advice, but also you know, people that can boost your morale. So, like, I mean, when I think back to my time at BCC, the people that were around about me, particularly at work, were absolutely invaluable. You know, so from a practical point of view in terms of um, getting through, what, getting the knowledge and the help and the support and work, you know, you know yourself, guys, like, like, like Hunter that was our... Um, a resource teacher or or Tim that was my mentor or, or Stephanie and Josh that I was working with Dan Toby they they were they were all really really important in mm-hmm. terms of providing me with the kind of knowledge the resources to keep me going uh, and you know like yourself you know having kind of friends that you know you were able to kind of socialize with outside the school um, that's really really important so yeah seek out people find people that you trust that you can kind of connect with that that's really important as well oh yeah for sure that's really good advice and i remember that uh actually i remember in my interview before i accepted the job that uh mark alvers who was the former head of school who'd been who's been at many different international schools great guy that he he uh gave me that exact same advice he didn't call it a w curve but he said 
you have to realize that you're you know you're going to move somewhere and that the the kind of magic is going to wear off after the first couple of weeks and you're going to be in reality um i mean he gave me that advice similar advice honestly uh, Absolutely, and that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it is reality. I mean, when I was, I remember thinking when I was going there, Washington D.C., teaching American politics sounds really, really glamorous. Uh, but you know, there mm. were there were mornings when I was getting up and I was walking into work at six a.m. and uh, you know, it did not feel glamorous at all. I mean, you were really in the reality. You were getting to teach a lesson. The students yeah. could be challenging. Uh, you were dealing with parents, you were dealing with, you know, it, it was work and it was hard work and it, it is reality. You're, you're going there and you're, it, it will be exciting, but it will also, you will step into that reality. So that, that's a good way of putting it, I think. For sure. But yeah, really, really rewarding. Something that, yeah, I would agree with you that I would, I would encourage anybody that's uh, got any inclination to, to, to pursue it. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, listen, Nathan, I won't uh, take up any more of your time. Thanks very much for uh, well, thank you. for speaking to me. And uh, uh, I hope you have a, a, a good rest of I know, the rest of the term. It's challenging circumstances just now, but hopefully uh, everything goes well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they've determined not to close schools here, so I have a feeling that we'll just have half classes for a while. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, we're we're going we're we're back in as well, and it's a uh, yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be a, a a tough term, I think, just getting through yeah. everything. But but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, thanks a lot, Stephen. No bother. Thank you. Six. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's very good. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.